Christmas has come early for some players this year with the Pro Bowl announcement. And of course, we here in Australia get a swag of games to watch on Christmas Day. Let's get into the Punt Return Podcast. And welcome to the Punt Return Podcast. It does feel like a little while since we've last spoken. Of course, we have we missed last week and we've only done one of the last three. So my co-host, Nick Splitter, how are you, mate? It's actually awesome to talk to you and be back on the podcast. Yeah, good, mate. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Like, like you said, I think we've only done one out of the last three weeks. So it's, uh, yeah, it feels good to be back in the back in the chair this week. Um, you know, both had a few things going on. It's the end of the year. Things are busy at work and... You know, obviously Christmas is is you know, a busy time for families and kids and and all that type of stuff as well. So it's it is is a tough time of year to kind of make the time, but so it's, uh, it's good to be back this week and uh, and looking forward to it. Yeah, like you said, a couple of things have gotten away sadly the last couple of weeks, but we do absolutely love doing it. So yeah, we have we have certainly missed it, and it's actually great, as you said, to be back in the chair and and talking all things NFL with you, mate. So let's let's not waste any more time and let's get straight into it and. And just quickly run through some of the talking points of last week's uh, incredible week 14 games. We saw, yeah, some sort of unbelievable slate, didn't we, last week with some of the finishes. Uh, firstly, the three Saturday games, how good was that to have football on a Sunday here in Australia? It should be more of it and, and it should be a regular occurrence. I mean, why wouldn't you have a triple header on a Saturday? It was just perfect viewing uh, for us here in Australia to get a, a triple header before, of course, all the all the games on Monday morning as usual. It, it is great, and I think you know, if you and me, we probably take it for granted that we can kind of watch watch most of the games on a Sunday Sunday night, Monday morning, you know, through work. I'm pretty lucky that you know, in the office, we've got you all have red zone on the big screen or whatever the primetime game is on the big screen. So yeah, I can, I can watch most of that, but for, for most Aussies, it's, it's real hard to watch that Sunday night football and, and Sunday football games. Cause it's you know, either real early in the morning or, or it's during work. So I think for, for Aussie uh, NFL fans, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I, I actually completely forgot. We didn't do the pod last week and, and I had in my notes that we've got Sunday football, Sunday morning football here in Australia. And I completely forgot and 11 o'clock Sunday morning, I'm, I turned the TV on and and realised that there was football on. It was, it was awesome. Um, but it does mean that there's a few less games on the Monday, and and I do love the the Monday morning, uh, you know, the red zone period and and seven hours of commercial free football, uh, as Scott Hansen loves to loves to promote. But um, look, it's it's great for it's great for fans here in Australia, and and you know, long may it continue. It'd be great to have have a couple of games every week on a on a Sunday our time. Oh, it would be. A dream just to have an extra couple of games, the standalone games that you could sit down and, and digest. And look, we saw an incredible uh, triple header as well. I mean, um, obviously goes without saying the largest comeback ever in the history of the NFL. And of course, Matt Ryan sadly was on the receiving end of another horrible collapse. And um, we we probably won't touch on it too much because we could we could spend a whole episode on it. But yeah, unbelievable win uh, by the Vikings and. Certainly, um, turned the tables in that second half. It was just uh, a tale of two halves, as you, you've ever seen. But as we as we touched on, obviously, um, amazing to have Sunday football or Saturday football in the states. Sunday football here in Australia, and this year with Christmas Day on a Sunday, the the NFL have decided they're going to play more Saturday games. So they're going to have a bunch of Christmas Eve games, which means we in Australia are spoiled again. And we've got Christmas Day football. How good! It's it's amazing, and, and I kind of said to the missus 
uh, a couple of hours ago that uh, <laughs> Eagles Cowboys is, is Christmas Day and, and Christmas is her big day. And I kind of said, Christmas can be your Christmas and Cowboys Eagles can be my Christmas. So that that should be fun. Hopefully I get to put it on at least in the background for a while. Otherwise I'll have to watch the replay. But um, yeah, look, it's it's just really cool. It's really cool. It's you know, event football is such a big thing in the States and, and we don't get that here because of the time difference and you know, it's just a different lifestyle and, and all that sort of stuff. So for us to be able to, you know, the NBA's done it for a couple of years where there's been Christmas Day basketball for yep. us, uh, Boxing Day basketball, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so to, to, to have the NFL on, on the same sort of level from a broadcast perspective and, and for the fans, and, and we know how big the game is getting here in, in this country, it's um it's pretty amazing and, and I think it makes for a really good uh, a really good Christmas period when you've got you've got games on on Christmas Day for us Boxing Day and then the following day as well when people have the public holiday uh, to make up for Christmas Day so there's there's three days of, of solid football that that you know football fans can can get around and, and watch you know, almost in its entirety. It's absolutely marvelous to have on. We've got the cricket on every night at the moment. We've got obviously the Boxing Day Test match starting soon. We've got. The NBA, as you said, and of course now the NFL rolling in for for an extra day, which is which is awesome. So yeah, we're very spoiled uh, at the moment. It's an absolute smorgasbord of sport, and for EPL lovers as well, like you, Nick, um, Boxing Day means the the EPL is back as well. So yeah, we just the sport doesn't stop now. Between now and January, it's going to be coming thick and fast. But we're here to obviously talk about the NFL and. You know, outside of the Christmas Day spectacular it, it, and a couple of big matchups, it is a pretty pretty ordinary <laughs> slate of games, to be honest, isn't it, mate? And, it is, and one of the lowest scoring kind of projections for the whole week. Oh, uh, it's it's crazy. For the whole you year, look, I should say. Well, that's right. I mean, you look at you, you mentioned before the 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 quality of football we saw last week, and um, there were some really good matchup last week. And just looking at at the slate this week, it's just outside of a couple of games, like you mentioned, there's it's just a pretty trash, pretty trash fixture. Um, there are a couple of really good ones and a couple of surprisingly good ones, I think. But yeah, I mean, you, you, you kind of wished it on a, on a big weekend like like Christmas weekend that you'd have yeah a, a full weekend of blockbusters. Um, but not to be not to be this year. Um, and, and like you said, that the lowest expected scoring week of the year, I, I believe. There's a bunch of a bunch of games that have sub forty point. Um, total points, total expected points, which is, is crazy. I mean, most weeks you get a couple, you know, somewhere between kind of 36 and a half and 39 and a half. You might get three or four a week. And I reckon this week we've got eight or nine, um, which is just insane. And, and then, you know, a couple that are around that 40, 41 mark as well. So, you know, some some low scores expected. And, and I think that there'll be, um, you know, just, just by – worthy of the, the matchups that, that there are going to be some really tight defensive dower clashes and you know hopefully it doesn't take away from what should be a, a really fun week of football yeah see yeah I, I certainly don't mind those kind of dower struggles and in, in as long as they stay close and and um obviously if they're low scoring they usually are but um now looking forward to watching again uh i swear you know as much football as i can this week and uh despite it kind of being a little bit of a lackluster um, card or, or week ahead, uh, yeah, there's still still plenty of implica- uh, playoff implications in place, which will make things interesting. And as it's a good little segue into another key talking point is is the race of the playoffs, and we've still got so many teams alive in both the AFC and NFC, including teams that haven't been in the playoffs for quite a while. Obviously, uh, the Giants being one that haven't been there, the Detroit Lions are now all of a sudden making a move in the NFC to to put their hand up and make a playoff appearance for the first time in a long time. The, Jags, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the Jags are right there. 
Uh, the Jets, of course, and, and you know, mm. bigger clash than, you know, obviously tomorrow morning, our time, Thursday night football, Jags and Jets could, you know, the loser could potentially be kissing goodbye their playoff hopes. I mean, I know the Jets have got a game up their sleeve over the Jags, which we'll, we'll touch on in a bit uh, once we get into the previews. But, yeah, it, it, there's so many matchups like that and, and so many teams that can still make a, an impact in the playoffs. And, of course, Divisions are still up for grabs. I know we've had quite a few teams clinch divisions last week. We saw the the Chiefs, Niners, Vikings. Um, I mean, if anything, your Eagles are, are pretty much there now with with the Cowboys' loss. Um, but both of those teams are guaranteed a playoff spot at the very minimum. And then, of course, you look at poor divisions like the Tennessee Titans, who are unraveling a little bit now with Ryan Tannehill likely to miss the remainder of the season. Obviously, the Bucks are the worst potential division winner in the history of, of NFL recently this year with the, with the <laughs> NFC South being, being so poor. But, yeah, a lot to play out in the next couple well, of weeks. Well, the thing is about the uh, about the Bucks, and we'll talk about them a little bit later on, but the, the fact that they're six and eight at this stage of the season and leading their division means that all the, the three other teams in division are all five and nine, and so yeah. they're all technically still alive, um, especially with this – you know the game this week for for the Bucks. If they if they lose this one, um, you know it's it's a winnable game for the Panthers potentially as well. Uh, you know, all of a sudden it, it's getting really close, and you know everyone for most of the season has been bemoaning the quality in in that division. But it's it's a, a very real possibility that that all four of those teams could be around that kind of you know seven win mark come. Week seventeen, it's just it's just kind of pretty crazy, and and uh, I they I think they would feel pretty confident, but they they certainly can't afford to get ahead of themselves at, at this stage, being six and eight, and and you know all three of those teams behind them, um, not far behind, and and they've got the losing record against the the Panthers. Um, yeah, the Panthers beat them earlier in the year, so the Panthers have a, have a couple of good breaks, and and the Bucks lose one or two, then all of a sudden it's it's still wide open. For sure, and uh, of course, the Giants look like uh, potentially ending that six or so year drought as well in the playoffs. With you know, essentially a tiebreaker game last week against the Commanders on on Sunday Night Football, and you know, obviously both those teams are still in the playoff hunt, and in fact, both teams currently hold a playoff spot if the season ended today. But yeah, plenty to play out still in both conferences. Uh, let's talk about the NFC, actually, mate. Uh, what do you make of it, and who really is the best team in the NFC? I mean, I know it's a probably obvious answer for me, but maybe not so much for you. It's it's a really tough one, actually, and I think it's getting more and more even. I mean, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen more injuries in San Francisco. Uh, we know how good they are, and they've probably been the you know the the, the deep threat to, to the Eagles all season if they could start putting things together. That they would they were going to be real dangerous down the stretch. Um, the Cowboys, obviously, we know how much quality is on that roster, both defensively and offensively. The Eagles obviously leading the the, the conference at the moment. Um, but, you know, playing the Cowboys this week and they've lost potentially lost Jalen Hurts. I know we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But, um, you know, I'm still – I said to you off air, I'm still not sold on the fact that he's not going to play. Um, you know, I saw Nick Sirianni talking uh, earlier today that, that you never count Jalen Hurts out. And yeah, even even Hertz had his press conference yesterday, where he's like he's doing everything he can to play, and and he's not ruling it out. Um, the shoulders okay. Yeah, I still think it's probably more likely than not that he doesn't play, and and they rest him. But that's kind of what makes this matchup such an intriguing one. Um, and you know, right now there's probably all, there's there's a bunch of teams that that can step up, and you know, come first week of playoffs, 
you know, any of those teams really can beat anyone if things go right. And, and, you know, they, they put everything together on the day. So it's, it's a really intriguing kind of seeding and, and, you know, schedule down the stretch to, to kind of work out those final playoff positions and, and final seeds and what that first and second week um, matchups might look like. Um, and I'm not sure that there is a distinct best team in the NFC at the moment. I think, you know, obviously the Eagles all year have been, you know, by record, by rights, the best team in, in, in the NFC, but you know, the Cowboys are right behind them um, and the and the Niners are right behind them. And it, you know, any of those teams can beat anyone. I think the challenger now to the Eagles, I mean, we're going to see a lot more play out this week once the Cowboys obviously meet the Eagles. I mean, the Cowboys come out and do a number on you. Uh, yeah, certainly makes things interesting. I don't think they will. But, yeah, with Jalen Hurts not there, it's obviously going to make things difficult for the Eagles. But I know you're confident that – well, not confident, but you're, you're still you're still hoping that he could could play. And, and, you know, for anyone that's got a Jalen Hurts MVP ticket, um, Nick thinks he could potentially play this weekend or at least at the very minimum, you know, miss just one game. So it's it, your ticket's still not confetti, that's for sure. Yeah, I think if he misses it, it'll just be the one game. I think especially if we lose this one, then he comes back to, to beat uh, – was it the Saints after that? Saints and Giants following so yeah the, the magic number for the eagles is one um they need to win one of the next three and you know whether it's whether it's this week or next week or the week after you know i, I can't imagine that we lose can't imagine that we lose all three no um, and but, I, it'll be sweet if it's this week mate it'll be it, oh sweet. mate it would be it would be so sweet it would be so sweet and and we might talk about that that match up a little bit later on but um look yeah i, th- I think it's it's very open and, and and i certainly wouldn't be throwing away that ticket even if even if he doesn't play this week, even though I still think Mahomes is the MVP um, and should be, uh, I wouldn't throw away the ticket just yet, even if he misses. Interesting. Yeah, look, I, I still I still favour Hertz if I had to choose. I mean, I would rather see Hertz win it from here, but um, I mean, that's taking nothing away from Patrick Mahomes. He's been pretty amazing and t- to be a two-time MVP winner is certainly uh, nothing less than he deserves. He's, a, he's an absolute star, as we know, and... Uh, been incredible for the Chiefs this season. But just quickly on the NSC, quick, um, I think the Niners are certainly the team that can challenge you guys the most. I mean, I know they haven't got a um, a noted quarterback as such, but he, he performed admirably, didn't he, uh, in the bright lights of Thursday Night Football. The last time we saw him against the Seahawks, and he looked solid, but that defense is just incredible. We know how many weapons they've got on that offense, and I just think they're they're primed to again make a run and and uh, certainly looked at the the key challenges for mine for your Eagles and I think what we saw from the Vikings I know they were pretty incredible in the second half but what we saw in that first half it just kind of almost rules them out yeah really of being a serious serious contender in the NFC for me yeah I agree I I, I kind of wonder you know that comeback how much of that is and it's a combination but how much of that is is you know the eagles kind of up uh, the eagles the, the vikings kind of putting it on in the second half and how much is it just the colts falling apart yeah but i, I think you're right around the niners and, and you know i had in my notes last week before we had to, to cancel last minute that i still think that for the niners quarterback is almost their least important position yeah. um and, and you know Credit where it's due. Brock Purdy's come in and, and looks like a ten-year vet. Just how, how composed mm. and calm he is. And the reality is, you know, like we've talked about um, Daniel Jones and and whatever throughout the season, is that he's not being asked to do anything outrageous. He's not being asked to you know reinvent the wheel. Just do the simple things, move the chains, and you know hit your target. 
essentially, you know, don't do anything out of the ordinary and um, just, just get the job done. And, and he's doing it. He's doing it really well. And, and like you said, he's got the pieces around him on, on both sides of the ball just to, to make plays and make things happen. Yeah, can't wait to see how that all plays out. But, uh, of course, the Niners are going to be there with once they clinch the NFC West last week. Now, Pro Bowl selections obviously got names just yesterday or today even yeah, uh, here in Australia. But any key surprises? I think we, we discussed quickly off air a couple of, couple of names that kind of sh- – showed up that we probably didn't expect, but any big surprises or, or well, I mean, on the other hand, some, some players getting some recognition, which is great. Oh, look, it's always, it's always good to see guys, especially guys that, that haven't been named before, get some recognition. And, and uh, as an Eagles fan, it was nice to see so many Eagles get, get that credit. Um, I, I still think that a few of them are probably a bit lucky and, and, and maybe, you know, testament to the team and, and how even the team is that, you know, it's hard to leave a couple of them out, but I, I feel like, uh, Miles Sanders was probably a little bit lucky to be named in, in that first first ballot uh, or first announcement. Um, yeah, I think there there are some pretty good running backs in in the league, and obviously Tony Pollard was named for the first time. Saquon Barkley's back. Um, just just not sure. Like he's had a really solid season, Miles Sanders, but I'm not sure it's the same same sort of caliber um, and, and probably less less consistent as well. Less consistently elite, I guess, compared to, to those guys. Um, but no, look, it's always it's always a fun time because you know you get all the the social media videos and and all those guys getting named for the first time, and it's a really exciting time. And you know, a bunch of those guys that that haven't been through it before, and and it's it's just just heartwarming to see some of those videos. I know we saw the the commanders videos with uh, Ron Rivera breaking the news to a few of his first timers, and um, yeah, it's just really nice to to, to see, and um, it's just just a cool part of the the year. I know that there's there's issues with the Pro Bowl and the whole selection process and the game itself and the timing and all these sorts of things. But it's, it's cool to see some of the, the, you know, lesser known guys and first time, um, first time is kind of named to the team and, and seeing the excitement and the, you know, how much it means to them and, and, and that sort of stuff. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. And, and one guy, you know, who's got recognized and you would not have picked it at the start of season of, of course is Geno Smith, who a 10 year mm. vet now gets his first pro bowl nod and as a starter, of course, as well. I mean, I know he's been the Seahawks have lost four of the last five, but he's been certainly hasn't been all on him. He he's been outstanding, and 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 to the other end, obviously, some key rookies for the Seahawks and and other teams that have, have made the Pro Bowl as well, uh, which is which is outstanding to be to be named a you know a, a starting starting player in the Pro Bowl as a rookie is is pretty incredible. And we saw a number of. Um, guys on the defensive end uh, do that with um, namely Sauce Gardner and a couple others, um, Con- um, Tarek Woolen as well from the Seahawks. So there's, there's a few there. And, um, you know, the three quarterbacks in the AFC are pretty outstanding, aren't they? When you look at the names that, that come up mm. as the pre- three starters. And, and one guy that we probably we probably both thought would be one of those guys is Justin Herbert, who wouldn't have been that far behind, but we know he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations that we probably both set for him at the start of the year. But Mahomes, Allen and Burrow, whew, that's pretty pretty phenomenal and, and pretty um, tantalising. It looks a little bit better than the NFC side, I think. Um, <laughs> it, no no cool disrespect to, to Dino and, and Kirk Cousins, of course. And um, But, yeah, I think that three is uh, pretty, pretty unmatched. Yeah, it, it is cool to see that next generation coming through and kind of solidifying their, their places. And like you said, Source Gardner and Quinn and Williams first time as well from the Jets and 
Um, uh, there's just a bunch of young guys coming through, which is is really cool and you know, bodes really well for for the future of the game, I think. And and kind of, yeah, you know, I think for so long you're talking about guys like Brady and Gronk and Rogers and and those guys, etc. Um, but looking at this this next generation, that the NFL's in in pretty good hands, I think. Yeah, absolutely, definitely, and um, yeah, we won't be watching the Pro Bowl because it is a bit of a shambles. But it's uh, <laughs> no, no, nonetheless, bets. it's fun to no talk about the uh, in the selections. And let's change tack quickly before we head into the previews, mate. What's the NFL storyline you want it want for Christmas as your um, your Christmas present, mate? Yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one um, because yeah, I think most of most of my kind of wishes for the year have already kind of come come true which is has been amazing because I didn't expect this type of year for the eagles but if i had to choose something like i'm not against jalen hurts not playing this week i'd love to beat the cowboys but if it just so panned out that jalen hurts you know was slightly injured and maybe needed a bit of a rest and and they didn't play him and then gardner minshew comes out in the all black you know, the Eagles pro black uniforms and demolishes the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. That would be a pretty cool Christmas gift. So I'll, I'll take that as the storyline that I want to see is that Gardner Minshew leads the Eagles over the Cowboys to clinch the division, clinch the conference and uh, the number one seed. That's that's very nice. I like that a lot. I do like that a lot. Uh, for me this week, I don't know. I, I just want to get... A perfect week of tipping would be great, to be honest. But I know that's probably unlikely, so I won't be as greedy. Uh, but maybe, maybe just see some teams that are, you know, still in the still in the hunt for playoffs. Right, really kick off things. I, I think, I think Detroit are a great bet this week, and and I, I'd love to see them kind of sneak into the playoffs. I mean, I think it's just they're just a fun team to watch. Um, and Dan Campbell's It'd be a cool story, wouldn't it? So much belief, and you know, we saw all the crazy press conferences and quotes and stuff from last year. And you thought, who is this cowboy? But he's, he's really got the team believing. And, um, you know, I'm certainly not a Detroit Lions fan or by any stretch of the imagination, but I think for a long suffering fan base, that'd be pretty cool to see them into the playoffs, especially from a, a one and six start. So let's hope they get the job done. Maybe, maybe they can be your team next year. Yeah, fucking hell. Here we go. That's not bad. That's not bad. It's pretty sharp work. But I think I'll stick with the Bills, mate, regardless of, you know, if my man Josh Allen leaves. But uh, I'll, I'll stick fat now. But um, as you mentioned quickly, the old mob did do a touching tribute uh, with Ron Rivera around the, the Pro Bowl selection, as you mentioned. So good to see the commanders still some sort of, um, you know, relevancy there. And, you know, they're, they're still in the playoff hunt, of course, as well. So um, have a couple of teams on each conference. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to be the king when you've got you've got multiple teams all over the place that you can always rely on. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, not bad. Yeah, it's very good. All right, let's talk fantasy, mate. Now, no, it was lucky, I suppose, in a way that um, we didn't have a game last week. We actually earned ourselves a bye last week by finishing top of the table. And uh, I think our team would have done okay, but um, there was a few lower scores mm. next, last week. And... Yeah, it's all all for us to to do this week to get into the final for next week and just having a quick look at the projections. We are projected to win and win it, well. It does look um, like a big win, it's a big discrepancy, but Do- doesn't always pan you know, out. You know, funnier things have happened. Definitely not. Definitely not. We've got some decisions to make in the flex. I think uh, moving forward and and even a wide receiver call. So we might talk offline about that. But yeah, very happy to be in the still alive. Of course, um, like I said with the buy, but. Or we, maybe we can quickly. The last time we talked fantasy on the podcast, just because of the the way that uh, the way yeah, that, that helps, you know, our our schedules have worked, and the fact that we've had to miss a couple of episodes. The last time we talked fantasy, we uh, we put the poll out: Geno Smith or Justin Herbert, and 
the, the people spoke and they all, well, not all, but I think 80% picked yeah, Gino Smith, like like we thought was potentially the right call. So we did go with Gino and, and it was the right call. I think he scored a 20, just under 23 and Justin Herbert was just over 18. So it was yeah. a good call in the end. It was. Uh, a couple of ones we need, need to make the call on that I was just touching on is Michael Gallup against that Eagles defense had a really poor game last week, only getting two yards, I think it was. He, he killed me in, in one of my other leagues. But, yeah, do we keep him in the in the wide receiver slot there to start over Hollywood Brown uh, or do we make the call there? We've got a couple of guys on IR now, although Traylon Burks is a chance to come back, but there's no way we'll be playing him with Malik Willis under centre. So we might have to make a move on the waiver wire or we just put in Hollywood Brown against... Again, he's got Colt McCoy or, or Trey McSorley like um, throwing it to him, so it's not not ideal. It's, it's so not ideal. Probably... And and before before Hollywood got injured, you know there was uh, no other wide receivers in, in Arizona either. And obviously, you know the main man D hops back, uh, and you know he kind of taking all those targets. Whereas whereas Marquise Brown was you know, career career pace for for targets, receptions, yeah, everything. And so. You know, it's it's a different world now. Him coming back from that from that injury, and and Hopkins is is there, and he's obviously the the guy on offense. Um, so it, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. The the team is not the same as, as you know it was for us in in you know the the the, the first you know, before the bye week started, I guess. Um, in that that we've lost a couple of guys like that. Um, Hollywood Brown obviously is not having the same impact for, for obvious reasons, and. Um, yeah, there's there's some decisions to make, but there are some there are some guys on on the waiver wire. I want to touch on one a little bit later on at the uh, at the Saints. Might be worth a, a little look if he's available, and, and I think he is. Interesting, yes, I I think he is. He he's available in in my other league, and I jumped on him, got him for a dollar on the waiver uh, the waiver auctions. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that. But we'll we'll talk about him a little bit later on. But uh, there, there's a few options out there, I think. And then the other quick option we need to make is in the flex at the moment we've got um the young rookie Zonovan Knight for the Jets who had kind of came crushing back to earth last week but uh the man to replace him could be potentially Devin Singletary against the Bears um but again that committee by backfield at the moment or backfield by committee I should say in Buffalo is not ideal and James Cook certainly looks to be the more explosive runner but Singletary still has some upside in the passing game I think yeah, look, it's a t- it is a tough one. It's it's one of those ones where you just don't know who's going to get the burn, and, and they'll run with the hot hand, whoever that is. Correct, early, yeah. um, it's a tough one in in Buffalo, and obviously, you know, if if Cook misses whatever for whatever reason, then Singletary becomes a much more obvious play. But um, I, I'm inclined to keep Knight in against this Jacksonville defense. I think that there's some holes there. There's there's a couple of guys missing uh, for the Jags, and and yeah, look, I, I know that they've certainly improved the Jags, but I, I feel like this could be one where you know, things might maybe uh, take a bit of a backward step and, and the Jets might might get over the top in this one. So, yeah, I'm inclined to keep keep the rookie in there, I think. Yeah, I'll probably lean that way at this stage as well, mate. And it's a good little segue because we're going to kick off the game previews with that game that you just mentioned, the Jacksonville Jaguars up against the New York Jets in Jersey, of course, Thursday night football, two playoff hopefuls in the AFC. And I think... Like you, mate, I'm I'm leaning Jets too, but it's not a game I'm going to be betting into or have any confidence about. I think either team could probably probably win, and uh, and you know, in any circumstance, we saw the amazing comeback that uh, Trevor Lawrence led last week uh, for the Jags against 
the Dallas Cowboys, who are a very good team, and, and we saw, of course, their defense um, make some plays, including the, the game-winning pick six. So uh, the Jets, with Zach Wilson potentially still at quarterback, that's the concern for me. That's probably why I leaned Detroit last week, which almost backfired, but they got the job done in the end, Detroit. But Zach Wilson, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he just, he needs more time. And he, he's, he's, I don't think he's going to be a flop in the NFL. I think he'll still be a very handy player in his time and, and be a potential starter or, or a very good backup. But he is just not what the Jets need at the moment. They just need that more explosiveness with, with Mike White, who can throw the ball down the field more. He's, he seems to have a lot more chemistry with his receivers and the team believes in him. And, yeah, the run game kind of went away last week against the Lions, which have kick-started the Jets in their passing game. But we know how talented Garrett Wilson is and, and Mike White um, – can yeah certainly deliver him a lot more balls and you know they've still got Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. It's still a, a decent receiving core there in in New York. But I think what's going to come down to this game is is probably the defense and why the the matchup and and the total points line is so low. And I think the Jets have a have a clear better defense and that's probably why I'd have to lean them and at home as well. But yeah, it's not a game I can be confident in because Trevor Lawrence is going to be clearly the best quarterback out there and he's doing some special things in the last you know six or so weeks of the season. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting one because I when when I first looked at the matchup and I kind of went, I don't want any part of this. This shouldn't be a prime time game. This shouldn't be prime time on Christmas. Um, it's a horrible matchup. Like I don't, I just don't want to watch it. Um, yeah, I've watched every single prime time game this season except for those those two days when I was kind of you know on, on the way to and on the way back from the states, but. Um, uh, looking just looking at the the betting market, I was like, "Bloody hell!" I just do not want any part of this. And I thought, "I'll I'll just take a look. I'll take a look at some of the data um, before I kind of make my mind up." And according to DVOA, the, the teams match up pretty well. The Jets have the edge in red zone offense and defense, and I think that's probably what it comes down to. Like you mentioned, the defense and, and the Jets kind of clear advantage on defense. And I think you're probably right there. Um, Quinn and Williams missed last week. He returns this week for the Jets. Um, he's been massive. He's got 11 sacks uh, for the Jets this season. Comes up against uh, Luke Fortner at centre for Jacksonville, who's allowed the second most pressures amongst centres in the NFL this season with 28, which really is an issue when you've got a guy like Quinn and Williams bearing down on you 24-7, um, especially yeah, that they lost Cam Robinson last week. Sorry, Cam Walker um, last week and he's going to miss the rest of the season. So you feel like the Jets are going to be able to uh, put some pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Sauce Gardner patrolling that secondary like he has all season. He's just a, a superstar already. Um, you know, between those two alone and, and the rest of the, the Jets' defensive unit, I think that's going to go a long way to stopping stopping an offense that really has been getting stronger all season. They've been on fire the last couple of weeks as well, the Jags' offense. They've been really impressive. Um, and, and all credit to Trevor Lawrence and – uh, Doug Peterson, and thank God for for Philly Doug for for uh, getting the win over the Cowboys last week. That was that was pretty fun to watch. But um, yeah, look, I, I do think that the Jags are still developing. They're still young, and they've got a lot of talent, and they've, they've definitely been improving. And and you look at them last season to this season, it's chalk and cheese, and the, the growth and development, and strength, and all that sort of stuff that they've improved. And talent, you know, offensively, defensively, they've improved on both both sides of the ball. But I feel like this one, with the amount of pressure that's coming from that Jets defensive line and, and you know, the, the guys in the secondary kind of 
making sure that, that Trevor Lawrence has no ability to, to, to misthrow anything, um, that this could be a week that it potentially collapses for, for the Jags. And kind of mentioned the red zone defense earlier. And Jacksonville ranks second last in DVOA defense to tight ends. The Jets have CJ Uzomo who put two, two touchdowns on the Lions last week. Tyler Conklin's having a pretty solid season as well. 46 receptions, 425 yards and three scores in the season as well. So I just think there's a couple of opportunities where the Jets are, are kind of clear uh, advantages here. And so I've kind of talked myself into the Jets, having said that, you know, didn't want to watch it, didn't want a part of it. But I, I feel like maybe that there's there's an extra an extra point or two that's uh, kind of been left on the table by the books here for, for the Jets. And um, I, I think I'm going to play the, the Jets minus one and a half. Yeah, it can't can't tip you out of that. I think um, for me, it's yeah, it's just to stay out, to be honest. If it was a pick I'd certainly be going with Jets. It's, yeah, just don't know what to think about uh, the Jags at the moment because they could turn it on uh, and just put up a number of points. But yeah, I think the, the points you mentioned really around the red zone, et cetera, are really valid and, and probably the reason why the Jets should get up. And if if they do, um, despite all the good work that the Jags have done this season, that could be season over. Uh, they'd be six and nine. And of course, um, with only two games left, I don't think eight and nine will get them into the playoffs in the AFC this year with the logjam of teams um, up there. So yeah, I think they need to win out to get into the playoffs, the Jags. And, and sadly, if they lose this one, that... Well, eight, eight and nine could be... Could be enough with uh, with the Titans at seven seven. They could they could win the division at eight and nine. I see what you mean. Yes, very valid point. Very valid <laughs> point indeed. They're only one game behind the Titans now. Of course, yeah, you're right. That's right. But uh, yeah. do they play each other again? Those two teams. That'd be interesting to know because uh, they do week week eighteen. Yeah, so they lost the Titans once. Sorry, they beat the Titans already, so they do hold the tiebreaker. So yeah, that that division is wide open. Actually, now you think we could we could both lose that we could both lose that preseason bet on the division. <laughs> God, you know who would be very happy with that is our mate James Roseborn, who I think I might might have taken the Jags after week one or two to win that division, or even potentially preseason. Our great futures better. So mind you, I reckon I reckon even if. Even if the Jags lost out from here, even if they lost the next three, they'd probably still take this season. I reckon they, they've shown enough. They've developed enough. There, there's a clear pathway to, to success in Jacksonville now. And, um, you know, the talent they've got on the defensive line, the talent they've got on offense, yeah, and and they're going to have opportunities to, to increase that as well over the next offseason. Uh, I think they'd be pretty happy with where they're at, the Jags. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think it was a season where they probably – anticipated a division win or anything, or they might have internally, but I certainly don't think too many on the outside would have thought they were quite ready yet, especially after the, you know, two number one picks in a row, which means they're not traveling all that well, but Mm. certainly, yeah, I think, like you said, (laughs) the future's bright and uh, it could be a a bit of a turnaround season with, um, now that Doug Peterson's in place and yeah, there's some good building blocks there for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Alrighty, let's move on to the Christmas Eve slate in the States, which means it's Sunday morning football, Christmas Day football at 5 a.m. New York Jets, uh, sorry, New York Giants this time, take on the Minnesota Vikings at the scene of the crime, US Bank Stadium, where the miracle <laughs> in Minneapolis did happen last week, 33-0 down. The Vikings got up. They go in as favourites in this one. Minus three and a half total, 47 and a half, mate. We touched on before, the Vikings tried really hard to lose this one. And they absolutely should have. And the fact that they came back from that that record 
uh, deficit, 33 zip. I, I just don't know if it says more about the Minnesota Vikings and their ability to win games of football or if it says more about the Indianapolis Colts and their ability to lose games of football at the moment. And they are just – they are horrific. Um, yeah, we, we touched on the the low-scoring nature of, of this week and this slate. Um, I don't know. I, the, the, the total in this one's 47.5. And in a week where scores might be at a premium, you know, according to the bookmakers anyway, I, I do expect some points here. They're, they're two overrated franchises. They're two average to awful, awful defenses. Uh, I've said it all year. Both, both the Vikings and the Giants are overrated. And they're good. They're not great. They're good. They're not great. I'm not even sure the Giants are good, to be brutally honest. Um, and, and I just think that there could be some points here. 47.5 is one of the highest totals of the week. I think there's a, a couple a couple of extra points um, potentially in this one as well. So I'm going the overs. But what do you think here? Yeah, really hard one to pick, and and I'll just reiterate for our listeners. I still haven't received this bottle of scotch that Nick has, has owed me. You know, it would have been a nice Christmas gift, but anyway, we'll we'll wait till the new year. It's in the mail. It's in the mail. Is that you drinking it now? I don't know. You're having a beer. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> look, I would have been nice before Chrissy, but that's all right, mate. We'll we'll work something out. But um, yeah, look, don't, don't pay out don't pay out season <laughs> bets before the season's well, over. The the line is finished, my friend, and it's certainly been finished now that they've. I think they'll make the playoffs now. That 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 obviously came down to last week's game against the, the Commanders, which I did not expect them to win by any stretch. To be honest, I thought the Commanders would win that game, but you know they showed something, especially on defense. They um, obviously pressured Taylor Heineke a lot. The the turnovers couldn't happen um, from the Commanders, and and we know how good Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be. Like he he obviously did the the grand slam last week with the the sack, the sack fumble. The scoop and score, like he did everything there last week with the with the the play of the game, which which ultimately won the uh, the Giants the game, and they're in the box seat now to make the playoffs. Do I think they're going to win? It this was game? it was probably only not. the Washington Commanders. Yeah, I know, mate, but probably not. They're not going to probably win this game. But you know what? If I had to play something here, I'd probably play them at the plus three and a half because who fucking knows what's going to happen with Minnesota? I like honestly, that was. <laughs> The, our lock of the week, the last time we did this pod two weeks ago, was the Minnesota Vikings, if you do remember, against the Detroit Lions. And they fucking shat, them, shat the bed and they were disgusting that game. Mm-hmm. And then they backed it up by playing what the hell they did last week. And, you know, I know, again, the, the second half was great. I put that more onto the Colts. And the way they won it even, just mm-hmm. the shambles of a, you know, a, a Matt Ryan sneak that didn't make a fourth down and then all kinds of crap happening with the the one second left on the clock and the field goal and all kinds of things going on. So look, I yeah, I don't believe it to the Vikings. They've they've lost me the last couple of weeks and um I, I don't think they're gonna be a, a force we reckon with come the playoffs to be honest. They could be, you know, one and done, get that third or fourth seed and away you go, lose to a team like the Cowboys who will come in and just smash them. Uh, so yeah, I've got no belief. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same team. I'm glad we're on the same team now. <laughs> look, I I never said I, I like the Vikings to be honest. And and look, I, I know the Giants aren't much chop, but I, I think at three and a half over a field goal, it's not a bad little line to play here for the Giants. If you did want to pick a pick an underdog this week, but um, I, as an official no play for me, it's a stay out. But uh, an interesting game nonetheless, especially with all the playoff implications around the Giants and, mm. and the teams hoping they will lose, obviously, with like the Seahawks, Commanders, Lions, etc. Uh, let's move on to another team with uh, another game with very big playoff implications. It's the New Orleans Saints and the Cleveland Browns. 
The Saints are only in playoff contention because they are playing in the worst division in football in the NFC South. And the Cleveland Browns have all of a sudden won three of the last four to, to get themselves in the AFC playoff picture at six and eight. And to be honest, I fully expect them to go in and, and beat the Saints here. I, I still think the Saints are, are really average. Um, they got out to a really hot start last week against the Falcons. The fact they let Desmond Ritter led Falcons back in that game from nowhere was really concerning. The defense should have just closed that out and, and made it a really easy watch for Saints fans. But again, it came right down to the wire. And I just don't believe in the Saints. I mean, we've, we've said all year they, their defense should be better and they just haven't showed enough for me. So I I think the Browns go uh, will, will win. And, and, you know, while it's under a field goal, I don't mind that that play, to be honest. It's I haven't marked it as an official play here, but to be honest, the more I think about it, the more I do like the Browns in this one. Uh, at home, in the front of the dog pound, minus two and a half here, I could probably take that. And I think Deshaun Watson's obviously only keep going to get keep getting better and better. They still have a guy called Nick Chubb running the football. Their defense has obviously been solid and led by Miles Garrett, who is a pro bowler again this year. And I, I just think they stay alive here. Seven and eight, the season's still alive for the Browns, and uh, they'll win against the Saints this week. It's the lowest expected score total yes, in a week full that. of expected low scores, which is just gross. 32 and a That's half the is one of the, the lowest season, you will ever see. I reckon it is. Yeah. It's one of the lowest you'll ever see. Mm. It, it rarely would get lower than that. I mean, maybe a you know, massive snow game or, or whatever, but that's really about it. Um, I just don't want any part of it. I think you're right, and, and everything you've said makes sense. And if I had to play something, it's probably the Browns while it's under a field goal. But um, – yeah, look, it's it's a no, it's a no thanks from me. And and we talked about the the rookie receiver on the Saints, uh, Rashid Shahid. He's been really fun to watch for the last couple of weeks. The last three weeks, nine receptions from eleven targets, two hundred twenty three yards and a touchdown. Um, you potentially have a little look at at his props. I still think that he's he's not getting much credit from media, and and whether or not you know the books kind of kind of you know, relegate him to to. You know, bit part player. Um, he, he's certainly kind of the, the big play guy um, for the Saints at the moment, and, and Andy Dalton's going him yeah, out wide, uh, going deep to him. So, look, there, there could be a little option there. He, he, I don't think he's going to have massive volume, but he's he's got the ability that when he does get those two or three targets to, to really turn that into 50, 60, 70 yards. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I really like the way that he's kind of come on over the last month or so, and, and he's exciting to watch. Just... Yeah, one of those guys that doesn't need a lot of touches to make stuff happen, and um, you know that every time he gets a target, that, that potentially something's going to break out for the Saints, and and that's the worry I think for for the Browns is that while they are probably the better team at the moment, the Saints certainly haven't you know, been the been the New Orleans Saints that we expect, but um, yeah, they've got a couple of guys that can just you know turn turn a game really quickly um, to, to their advantage. And that that's probably the worry, but but I think you're probably right, and that, that if I was going to play something while it's at two and a half, it, it's the Browns, I think. Yeah, but it's a no play. Yeah, he's he's exciting. He's he's certainly a great deep ball threat for for the Saints going forward, and you know whether or not that's Eddie Dalton next year, if it's Jameis Winston or someone else. But yeah, he's been a shining light as as part of as well as he's obviously his, his rookie counterpart uh, Chris Olave, who's been pretty bloody mm-hmm. solid all year. You know, despite. I suppose limited opportunities. He he certainly you know he's stuffing the stat sheet every week, and he looks like a, a ready-made talent that's going to be a very successful in the NFL. But Cert, certainly not an ideal situation no. for rookie receivers, is it? Um, not not the perfect offense, and and 
franchise for, for talented athletic rookie receivers at the moment. And not from the mind of Dennis Allen either. I mean, it's a different story if you've got Sean Payton mm. leading the charge, but uh, that's right. It's just been looked a lot different without without his um his you know his imprints on on that franchise this year. We move along to a game I am a lot more keen on, and that is the Detroit Lions uh, at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Lions go in as minus two and a half favorites as well, mate. Forty three and a half is the total. So surprisingly fun matchup. We we touched on kind of the the quality of this slate, and and this one, if you looked at it a month ago, probably looking at going shit. I don't really want any part of this either. But this is a surprisingly fun matchup, and and I I really feel like there's some points in this one. The totals at forty three and a half. Um, Detroit are starting to turn me into a believer, especially on, on offense. And the data backs all that up. Yeah, they're ranked sixth for DVOA offense. They're top 12 in, in both rush and pass DVOA. Um, it is still the defense, and, and we know that that's the problem for, for the Lions. But you've got to expect that they're going to make that a priority in next season's draft and over the next couple of years. I think Jared Goff's kind of you know won his spot there for, for next season. He's, he's having a bit of a renaissance under Dan Campbell, as, as a few guys are in, in Detroit. Um, and so things that things are looking up for the Lions. I know we've we've copped a bit of flack in in recent weeks on on socials for you know making teams playing the Lions the lock of the week and and a bunch of other things. Uh, but uh, you know there, there's there's some positive things and and I'm starting to turn. But Carolina are incredibly inefficient with the ball. You know they're ranked 29th in DVOA offense. But they can pound the rock. They can score points if they get in the red zone. I do think Detroit wins this by a touchdown plus, and I think that this score goes over something like a 28-17 type scoreline, 28-20, whatever. Um, so Detroit minus 2.5 and, and over 43.5, a little double on the double. It's been a couple of weeks, so a little double on the double. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think it's a gift as well, uh, Detroit, to be honest, this week. At, at, at under a field goal is is certainly a gift I'll be willing to take, and that that is kind of a bit of a Christmas present, I think. I mean, I I know what we weren't here to talk about it on record last week on the podcast, but I was a big, big Steelers fan last week uh, to go into Carolina and win that game as an underdog. That was, that was a gift as well. Mm. I, I think Carolina got over overlooked or you know overhyped especially um from the weeks prior and i think they're still a really really ordinary franchise i mean sam darnold is is being okay i suppose but he he's certainly not the answer and they could not run the football very well last week uh and that that's been their their one wood hasn't it um like you said with dante foreman and, and the lights mm. just pounding the ball through and you know the receipt. They're not going to blow teams away with their with their passing game, are they? And of course, they couldn't make any stops. Tough defense, though. Good defense, defense, but they just to, to couldn't get a stop against. against Mitch Trubisky, which which says a lot. So um, look, I, I think Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions have so many weapons now on that offense, and they're a really exciting team to watch, as he said. And you know, obviously, as we said, one and six start. They're now six and seven, so five of their last six they've. Over that win streak or that period, they've they've averaged twenty eight points per game, and that's exactly the total you said they'll rack up again this week. So I can see that happening again. And and while in those games, they've you know they've held the defense to you know four times below twenty points, and that that was a defense that was on historically bad pace at the start of the season. So they've turned things mm. around really well, and that's been the big improvement for the Detroit Lions in the second half of the season is they they're getting stops and they're getting turnovers. And the other key stat for the Lions in this period as well is that. Like I mentioned, the turnovers is such a big thing. They're actually got a plus nine turnover differential um, in those games as well. So they're turning the ball over. They're not giving it up either. Um, so that's been a really big catalyst to their win streak and, and why they've been so successful the last couple of weeks. And I think they go in 
and beat Carolina here. Uh, Carolina are, are zero and four as well as favourites this year, so they're not, um, you know, overly overly good when they're when they're expected to win. So look, I, I think Detroit minus two and a half is an absolute gift, and as you said, it probably should be closer to six or seven points here. So. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Lions here, and I think we could have our lock of the week already. But potentially the next one, the next one, next one, the next one could well. be one as well. I think we both really like this as well, and um, I'll let you sum it up. But the Cincinnati Bengals at the New England Patriots, Bengals only go in minus three favorites. I'll tell you what, we don't need to spend much time on this one because the Bengals are rolling, and I think in this case, mm. when you have a team in form that's hot, you play the hot hand, and Cincinnati is hot. And that's all I'm going to say. Cincinnati minus three also feels like a bit of a gift. Yeah, I think that's a, a very generous line here. And, and what they did to Tampa last week was just incredible. I mean, I know Tampa haven't been shooting the lights out, but to you know overturn a 17-point deficit essentially at halftime and all of a sudden at the end of the third quarter be leading, like it was just a dominant performance on both sides of the ball. And um, the defense were getting stops. The offense was just scoring at will. And I think the Bengals, like you said, have just peaked at the perfect time. And, you know, it, it's helped that the Baltimore Ravens have completely gone the other way here. And, and they should win now the division. Uh, set themselves up nicely with a home playoff game. And, and who knows? The sky's the limit again for the Bengals. They could again be representing the AFC. I mean, if they get the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, we know they're going to fancy their chances. And uh, I think the Pats... You know, they were good last week. I mean, that was one of the most bizarre finishes to a game you'll ever see. You know, I don't think you'll ever see anything like it. And <laughs> it was so strange. Oh, it was so strange. For, you know, if you if you knew those teams were playing and you said that play happened, who would you think did it? <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> fact that the Patriots lament, like lost that game and not the Raiders and it was the other way around because – yeah. We know the Raiders Raider, the Patriots don't often do something like that. So it was just bizarre. That's very true. It's probably cost them a playoff spot, to be honest. I think, um, you know, that win would have, what, put them uh, firmly in the in the playoff hunt there. They would have actually been um, uh, at eight and six. Eight and six. Well, they were, they, were six, they were six and four not that long ago. And really in line for a, for a playoff spot, and it's just kind of fallen fallen apart in the last. And six and weeks. it's really obviously on their offense, and the defense is scoring just as much as their offense. Which you know, the defense has been incredible all year, and it's something we probably both didn't predict and, and didn't expect. But you know, Matt Jones since coming back looked okay for a couple of weeks, and now he's just kind of gone back again. And obviously, with a few injuries and a few other things going on at running back, it hasn't been the same. Same offense for the Pats, and I don't know where that's gonna where that's gonna sit. You know what happened last week to lose that game like that, and now they come into well, sorry, they're at home, but they get the red hot Cincy, who are probably the hottest team in the league right now. And yeah, I don't think they'll be be much of a match for for Joe Burrow, who will be putting up plenty of points. And I don't think the Pats have enough points in them to keep up with the Bengals. So minus three looks a gift, like you said. So what what do you reckon happens with? With uh, with Mac Jones because I I, don't, I can't remember which player it was but there was a there was a, a Pat's fan I don't know, it was a podcast or a Pat's fan Instagram page or whatever that posted a a thing about bringing Brady back to, to finish his career in in New England and and you know one more year one more one more go around yeah. and uh, one of the one of the O linemen liked the post and uh, and so that's that's a thing now apparently where the the Pats want Brady back. Um, and well, I mean, 
is it, it it feels like it's becoming more and more clear that Mac Jones isn't the man in Boston anymore. And yeah, I think that they would have they would have felt fairly comfortable going in the next couple of years with Mac Jones uh, under center. You know, he's, he's pretty calm. He doesn't again doesn't do anything too outrageous. But yeah, you know, that that thought that perspective might be wavering a little bit now. It's tough on Mac because he was. I mean, we know Jamar Chase was unbelievable and deserved Offensive Rookie of the Year last year or Rookie of the Year last year. But Mac Jones wasn't that far away. He was in the conversation the whole year. He had an outstanding rookie season. Yes, he's progressed a little bit this year. He's had a few injuries to deal with. There's a few more weapons on 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 offense for him, but he hasn't kind of progressed as maybe Pats fans wanted him to. But I still don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's... You know, second year player. Like, I don't know if he's if he's going to be shipped off after this year, but I think you ride with Mac Jones for another year over over bringing back Brady. That's ridiculous, and um, we we might touch on him and and the Bucks a little bit later when we get to their game. But I don't think Tom should be in the league next year. He he was also. Oh, I agree. I agree on that too. But he was Mac Jones was was on a hiding to nothing. Yeah, in New England as well. Like, yeah, they had they had Brady, and then you had your whatever you want to call that experiment with Cam Newton for a little while. And then you go back to the unathletic white dude, um, you know, who can't run and, you know, can literally just throw little, you know, little dinky pinpoint passes. But, and everyone was like, it's the second coming of Brady and, and blah, blah, blah. And it, it like that stuff doesn't happen. That's not how, that's not how real life works. Um, and so the, the expectations on Mac Jones from the beginning were setting up to fail in new England, but yeah, look, it's 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 tough on him. It 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 hasn't been the fairest run over the last couple of years. Well, if you told me at this point of the season the Pats would be seven and seven and, and should be eight and six, let's be honest, but seven and seven, <laughs> still a chance at the playoffs. I would have said you take that every day of the week. I, I certainly didn't have them near, near 100%. a five hundred team. I certainly had hundred percent, maybe a six win team, maybe a you know if they get to seven and nine, I think I, that's I was... uh, seven and what is it now seven and ten. I still think that's not a bad season for the Pats of where they're at. I I agree, and and I think you know we kind of went into this season not expecting much out of the Pats, and you know, I think one of the things that I looked at in in preseason was that this is potentially the worst Pats defense that Belichick has had in New England, and and they've proved me wrong. Like their defense has been really really good um, for for the most part, anyway. They are really really solid unit, and and you know clearly it's not the defense that's been holding holding the Pats back. It's the offense and, and special teams in, in some cases. So, look, there, there's some things to work on in uh, in New England, but yeah, I, I'm not sure what the – I'm not even sure what the question is, let alone what the answer is at quarterback for the Patriots, to be to be honest. Yeah, I think that's well summed up, mate, well summed up. Uh, we'll move along to another AFC, a, uh, AFC East team, this time the Buffalo Bills, who have – of course, clinch that division now as well. They take on the Chicago Bears. The Bears go in as the big underdogs, of course, plus eight and a half. So the Bills minus eight and a half. Total is 40 and a half. And I think it's still a big line over the touchdown. You don't like taking that off. And especially with the Bills at the moment, who are just kind of sneaking over the line. But I think this might be the game that they they click back into gear and it might not be so much what they need to do. I think it's probably more so the Bears might just drop off a little bit, especially after you know a huge... Huge game last week where they were really good, and I actually quite—I know you would—you told me not to bet in bet in Eagles games, but I really liked the um, the plus last week for the Bears, which looked a bit shit at one stage, but we got there in the end. Plus nine, saluted. But um, 
It's it's okay to bet against the Eagles, but <laughs> yeah, don't bet on the Eagles. But I think, is the point really? I think it was a really really physical game, and and a lot of their players will be banged up and sore. And I think you know, I know they're they're still at home this week. They don't have to go on the road and play the Bills, but I think the Bills will be hyped up. They get an extra day's well, sorry, they don't get an extra day's rest. Well, they do actually because they played on the Saturday and they're playing on the Saturday again. The Bears will be coming off a six day break, but. I don't know. I just think the Bills are, just want to show the world that they're still the best team in the comp, or at least the AFC. And I think they make a statement a bit this week. The defense has been lights out for the Bills, and um, yeah, I don't know if Justin Fields is going to have much success running the ball against this uh, this Bills front line. So yeah, for me, Bills minus eight and a half is a is a decent play. I I like the Bills, and and you know the Bills deserve to be you know big favorites in this one for for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, they put 30 on the Dolphins, 30 plus on the Dolphins last week, but there was a pretty big scare, you know, heading into that, that um, three quarter time break, five points down to, to Miami was, would have been a bit of a scare for, for the Bills. And, and obviously they put it on them in the, in the final quarter, which was, was good to see. But the, the Chicago defense is certainly nowhere near, I guess, what we've come to expect a little bit like we, we talked about the Saints uh, earlier. This Chicago defense is not the Chicago defense that, that, no, we've been accustomed to over the last decade, probably. Um, and I, I don't know. I Like I said, Buffalo deserve to be that bigger favourites, but I think that they've got one eye on the playoffs already. At Soldier Field, I'm just not taking a team that's not 100% in every week, and, and I'm not sure the Bills are 100% in every week. And yeah, I'm certainly not taking the Bears, and I'm just really reluctant to take the Bills at this sort of line. Uh, away from home at Soldier Field, it's a, it's a, it's a tough stadium to play at, regardless of how good the Bears are. So, it's a it's a stay out for me, but it's an interesting watch because I I do want to see if if Buffalo turn up and, and play out a full game, uh, because it's one of those things where they're good enough to just kind of coast through now, but I I feel like you want momentum heading into playoffs. You're down the stretch, you want some momentum, and it's all right to take one or two weeks off. You know, when you head into to weeks 12, 13, whatever. But once you get to, to 15, 16, 17 and, and, and whatever, I think you, you've got to start putting your skates back on and, and lace them up because um, you, you're going to need it come week one and two of, of playoffs. Yeah, that's a really valid point. I think um, that's probably the danger here for me as well. But, yeah, I just think the Bills will will keep that momentum rolling and, like you said, don't want to flirt with form too much. And I think I don't think Sean McDermott's the kind of coach to – to do that, so I don't think they'll be taking a backward step here. And um, although they do have the Bengals the following week to prepare for, and I'm sure they'll have one eye on the, the Bengals for next week um, after the Bears. So yeah, it might there's, be a, there's a bit of a statement game for both of those two teams in, in that one. Like both of them will want to show that they're the big dog now. Yeah. Um, in the in the conference, so yeah, real interesting matchup next week that we'll I'm sure we'll touch on more next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we move on to an AFC South battle, the Tennessee Titans. They could go one step closer here to clinching. Uh, they won't, of course, this week, but they are still, uh, yeah, it'll help enormously if they can squeak over the line. They're, they're kind of in a bit of a free fall at the moment. They go uh, back home to take on the Houston Texans. And because of Ryan Tannehill's injury, the Titans only go in as minus three and a half point favorites. Total a very low thirty five and a half. Nick. Yeah, yeah. You look at the line, and and naturally it, it feels a bit like a, a no brainer. Um, obviously, the Titans leading the division. The Texans are one and twelve. But like we've we've touched on already in you know, however long this show has been going already, um, the the Titans are only seven and seven, and mm. 
you know, this really could be the worst division in, in football this season. The NFC South obviously is is right up there, but um, the less said about Houston, the better. Tennessee have a bunch of players, including Ryan Tannehill, like you said, absent from practice uh, on the injury report this week. So I just don't want to touch this one at all because it is the, the type of game that Tennessee you know, miss a few guys and, and Houston turn up for that division rivalry and anything can happen. Um, like we've seen with Houston over the last couple of weeks, they had that, that game, they put a big scare on Dallas. Um, and, you know, if they can do that on Dallas, then, you know, what could they do with an understrength Tennessee team? So, you know, I, I don't think they win. Tennessee should should win and should win fairly comfortably. But with the, the amount of question marks around who who suits up and who doesn't, I'm, uh, I'm staying out of this one. Well, don't forget as well, the Texans, Push the Chiefs to all the way to overtime last week as well, right. straight after yeah. almost beating the Cowboys and, and probably should have beat the Cowboys as well, if not for that goal line stand was, by the defense. So. It, was, it was one of the one of the reasons I was actually really glad that we didn't do the show last week because I was huge. I was huge on the Chiefs last week that it was going to be a letdown game for the Texans and and it wasn't. So, well, yeah, that's you know. that's where I'm thinking now. You've just mentioned you know two huge contests against the Cowboys and Chiefs. Couldn't get over the line in either of them, but obviously covered comfortably in both. But is this the letdown game now? Do they do they just fall to a lesser opponent and, and just let their guard down and let the Titans run riot? I mean, Derek Henry's going to have to have a big day if he is because we know... Henry's he's banged up too. He is, and, and Malik Willis is, you know, certainly a work in, project, a work in progress. So um, they're, they're, they're pro bowler uh, as well. Jeffrey Simmons is a questionable... Um, for this week as well, for on the defensive side. I think there were ten guys, ten guys yeah. on the injury report. I mean, we know well, what the Titans did today. last week, uh, last year, I should say. They they had injury like like the Ravens. They were just mm. ravid with injuries and COVID and all kinds of things all year, and they still won that division. But now it's looking nervous when they've they've gone on a four game losing streak here. They they went from seven and three to seven and seven, and all of a sudden it does look shaky, especially with a with a Jags matchup to come in week eighteen, and of course. Following the Texans, they've got the Cowboys, so it doesn't get any easier for the Titans. So they need to win this. Um, certainly a no play like you, mate. It's a complete stay out. But uh, hoping, fingers crossed, for Titans um, fans and, and my man Dave Bork, who's a big Titans man, He the, the Titans get up and um, can go one step closer to sealing that division. Um, with a victory over the Texans, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, have got the number one pick sealed think they don't think they can well they might be if they win out they might be able to move away from that so I don't think they'll be trying to do that too much but uh (laughs) the Texans should be picking first in next year's draft all right let's move on we've got a couple more games in the uh Christmas Eve window uh and it's Seattle at Kansas City Chiefs big favorites of course minus 10 48 and a half is the total mate if not for that pesky NFC East matchup that we'll talk about in a little while, this one could actually be the game of the week. Um, and I'm not sure that anyone would have seen that coming, you know, around week one and, and you know, in the preseason, you know, all the, all the talk about Seattle was that they were in the running for that number one pick too. And, yep. and, you know, Geno Smith was the stopgap and, you know, can't wait till, uh, till Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf get a real quarterback in again and all these sorts of things. And, I mean, they've just had they've just had one of those seasons out of the box. I don't think anybody picked, not even the most fervent Seahawks fan, could have picked what they've done this year with Geno at their home. But um, yeah, it's been pretty pretty amazing. Um, with the news of, of Jalen Hurts' injury, you know, Mahomes has has kind of propelled back into that MVP favoritism, like we touched on earlier, mm-hmm. and rightly so. I think I was surprised when Hurts, even though he's been in amazing form, I was surprised that Hurts kind of took over favoritism a couple of weeks ago. 
in that MVP market because Mahomes, I think, I think we underrate Mahomes just because of the consistently great quality that we've seen from him over the last five years. I think that we continue to underrate him because he's done it week after week after week, year after year. Um, and he should have won more than one MVP already. We underrate him because we see it all the time. And so he's got to put up five touchdowns and 400 yards for him to be you know, considered him having a good game. Because if he does, if he if he has three hundred yards and three touchdowns, it's just that's an average game for Pat Mahomes. So, like I think that that we're not judging, uh, we're not judging him equally to, to everybody else. So I think that he could look to to kind of punctuate that and set all the argument this week with a massive showing. Seattle, the twenty twenty fifth ranked uh, DVOA defense, uh, but it is the run game in Seattle where they struggle to to contain opposition. Offenses, so maybe you look at someone like uh, the rookie Pacheco, who's got a, an opportunity to to go to town in this one. The Chiefs themselves don't have a have a, a great defense. You know, we, we've said for a couple of years it's kind of their Achilles' heel. Their pass defense is terrible, and Geno Smith is going to have a, a ton of opportunities to take advantage with Lockett and Metcalf, um, you know, out wide and 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 going deep. So I, I do think the Chiefs win this. Uh, but I think it might be closer than expected. That that ten point line just feels too big at the moment, and I think it's gonna be a fun game to watch. I think there's gonna be plenty of scoring. Uh, I'm tempted to take the overs, but it's the second highest total of the week. It is a low scoring week. I'm just not that confident on that. But I'm gonna go the the plus line with uh, with the Seahawks. I think that they might might keep it close. And we know over the last couple of years that taking the Chiefs at the line has not been a profitable way to bet. So. Uh, I'm on the on the Seahawks here. Yeah, not, yeah, I can see why you'd take the plus ten here, and especially after what the Chiefs did last week against the lowly Texans to to not you know take it all the way to overtime, let alone cover a double digit um, line. So, but you know, back at home is a different kind of story for the Chiefs, who we know were almost unbeatable at Arrowhead. They're coming off a incredible feat with obviously winning their seventh. Uh, straight AFC West title, which is now tied for the the second most ever um, in the NFL history, behind uh, the Patriots, who won eleven in a row, of course, with Tom Brady at the helm only uh, a few years ago, from oh nine to nineteen, and tied with the Rams of the seventies, who you know didn't do much in terms of their um, success during that period. So, I think the Chiefs are just an outstanding team, and and obviously um, they will be in the playoffs again, and and still fighting for that number one spot. Well, number one seed, I should say, in the uh, NFL. Of course, they have uh, equal record with the Bills, but um, just losing at the moment um, on that tiebreaker. So it's must win for the Chiefs. I don't think they'll be taking their foot off the pedal here. And, and you know, as good as that 10 points looks, I'd probably lean the other way if I did have a play in this one. But it's a stay out for me. Uh, I think the Chiefs will go in and win pretty comfortably. Tyler Lockett is uh, going to be missing. Um for Gino to throw to, they just look a little bit banged up at the moment. The Seahawks, they're starting to lose that momentum and potentially that surprise factor that they had at the start of the year, obviously losing four of their last five. So gone off the rails a little bit, the Seahawks, and I think the Chiefs will cash in at home. But, um, yeah, official stay out for me. Uh, the final game for Christmas Eve, uh, I should uh, well, for the early slate of Christmas Eve, that is as well. That's uh, the 5 a.m. games on Christmas Day, our time. The Atlanta Falcons up against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens, despite all the issues they've had recently, they go on as big favourites, minus seven and a half, total 35 and a half. And does that mean Lamar Jackson is playing, Nick? 
Well, you look at the line, you think that you think that he might be, but mm. yeah, he didn't practice again. That's eight straight practices that he's missed. I'm assuming that he's not going to play uh, this week against the Falcons. And uh, look at the way that that offense took on the 26th ranked DVOA defense in the Browns last week, and that was a really important division matchup for for Baltimore. Yep. Uh, I, I really expected more out of them. Uh, I just have no trust in in the Ravens to to be able to put up points without Lamar, even against this even weaker defense uh, in the Falcons. And outside of the 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 Niners in Week Six, where they scored twenty eight, the highest score the Falcons offense have put up against any type of semi decent defensive unit has been in the teens. It's been around that kind of 17, 18 point mark. So I'm not expecting much out of them against what is a, a very, very decent Ravens defense. So I'm not sure who wins this one. Uh, not even going to touch that seven and a half point line for, for, for the Ravens, but uh, it is a low total at 35 and a half, but I think this could be another low score like the, uh, like the Ravens, um, Brown's game last week it was thirteen three or whatever it is. So I'm going to go the unders, even if even though it is a low line at thirty five and a half. Yeah, there's no way I could play in uh, anything close to the Ravens at seven and a half, especially if Lamar's not there. Which, as you said, signs are pointing that he won't be. But the books certainly think he'll be playing with a total like that or that line. I reckon, but yeah, hard to see Lamar coming up for this one. Especially, I think they'll just give him the extra week. They should be confident to beat yeah. Atlanta without Lamar. But yeah, the way they played against that Browns. Defense last week that that were really bad. Oh, it, was, it was disgusting. Yeah, I, I think the unders is a, certainly a, a really good bet there. I think, mate. I think you're probably onto something there. I think with both teams, you know, essentially with um, you know, I mean, Den, uh, Atlanta, I should say, Desmond Ritter at quarterback, Tyler Huntley, um, who is potentially questionable as well for this one. You know, um, so yeah, who knows where the the Ravens and the, the Falcons are going to get their points from this week? So. Yeah, it's it's likely that um, it's one's going to be under. I reckon. I don't think um, don't think uh, the Ravens are certainly going to be banging it down the door of points. They've they've um, averaged uh, under ten points a game once <laughs> since Lamar's um, Lamar's been out, and that's been three games now. So yeah, it's it's a decent sample size to show you that the, the, the Ravens' mm-hmm. offense is really struggling without Lamar. So absolutely no confidence there that the Ravens can cover that line or or potentially get over. So I think. The unders is probably the, the logical play, mate. So I might be with you on that one, actually. I think that's a, a really smart play. Uh, we move on to a couple of final games on Christmas Day. Oh, sorry. There's three more Christmas Day games. Can you believe that? I mean, aren't we lucky? Firstly, kicking off at 8 a.m. Uh, on Sunday morning, Washington Commanders up against the Niners. Niners minus seven favorites, total 37 and a half. I know this. Everything about these markets feels right. I know that, that quite often we feel like there might be a couple of points out, um, you know, one way or another, or, or whatever. But everything feels right about this one, so it's it's a no play for me. But it is an intriguing matchup. One that's got really, really solid implications around the NFC playoff seedings, and and one that that is going to be a really interesting one to watch as well. Nine is obviously a touchdown favorite for very, very good reason, but. Uh, I feel like the markets are pretty spot on here, so it's a, it's a stay out for me. What, what have you got? Yeah, I, it's definitely a stay out for me as well, mate. Like you said, I think I think the the books are pretty spot on with this one. Um, San Francisco certainly def, or certainly deserve to be a touchdown favorite at least in this one, especially the way they've been playing and what we saw out of the Commanders' offense last week. Um, but you know the Niners are now clinched. Uh, they've got a few banged up bodies. Do they want to rest a few guys? Not sure. 
do you again do you it's that old adage do you flirt with that form they are mm. pretty much under you know unbeatable at home they've been have an incredible record at, at, at Levi State in the last couple of seasons so take that into account as well I think but um yeah I don't know if I'll be playing the minus seven although that's probably the way I'd have to lean if I did have a go at this one but um, yeah, stay out from me as well. But yeah, huge game, especially around uh, for the commanders who are trying to sneak into that wild card spot. They still currently hold, of course. Uh, let's move on to the big one, though, mate. Match of the week: the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Sunday night football. Well, sorry, no, it's not Sunday night football. It's just the eight twenty-five game, the early, the late afternoon game in Dallas uh, for Christmas Day. We still do have another one after this. Uh, Philly at Dallas, as I said, Dallas minus four and a half total 47 and a half, mate. How do your boys win? And do they win now going in as underdogs? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. And obviously, you know, the, the news around Jalen hurts during the week, uh, Dallas, this, this game opened with Dallas at one and a half point favorites at home. Uh, obviously that news around Jalen hurts filtered through on, was it Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, our time, whatever, whatever it was. Um, and yeah, that line jumped out to five and a half pretty quickly, you know, within the space of a couple of minutes. Uh, and it's come back slightly into four and a half now. So like I said earlier, I'm not sold that he's not going to play, but I'm inclined to give him the week. And, and, you know, I don't think it's impossible that, that we beat them without him. Um, I certainly wouldn't be as confident, but, you know, hey, it's Christmas and Christmas miracles have been known to happen. And like I said, that story of Gardner Minshew in the all black uh, leading the Eagles to a win in Dallas would just be a, a Christmas story for the ages. So uh, that, that's what I'm hanging my hat on, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's a no play for me. Yeah, well, he, he certainly wouldn't have sealed it, but he, he put his best foot forward to the MVP race last week, didn't he, Jalen Hurts? I mean, Three rushing touchdowns, over 300 yards, just another dominant performance by the great uh, Jalen Hurts, who is who's obviously having a career year that we we both kind of predicted in a way at the start of the season. We we were big believers um, on Jalen Hurts, but I'm surprised with the line as it was with Dallas favourites before the Hurts news, really. I mean, I don't think Dallas deserved to be favourites, especially if Jalen Hurts was fully healthy. What did you think about that? Um, I like going in as underdogs. It, it's, you know, it's, it's kind <laughs> the of Philly, the Philly DNA. The Philly so yeah, it, it is the Philly way. And, and I would have loved, you know, I, part of me would love for them to come out wearing the dog masks from, you know, from the, the Super Bowl run in, in 17. <laughs> and I think that'd just be, that'd be so cool. But, um, look, I, I didn't mind it for that reason. I, I think the team plays better when they're underdogs, but they also haven't taken a back foot when they've been favorites this year either. So, um, Look, I, on on pure record, yes, yeah, it was a bit strange to see a team thirteen and one come in as as underdogs, but yeah, one and a half, it's just, it's essentially pick them away from home. Like you can take it; they're they're a real talented team, the Cowboys. So yeah. like, it, yeah, you you can understand it at, at a number of levels, and yeah, could could go either, could have gone either way, really. I think Dallas are a much better team when they play as underdogs as well, and I, I think that they get too far ahead of themselves a lot of the time when they're when they're big favorites and i mean what we saw last week the fans do yeah fans i mean it was a capitulation do. let's be honest like they were completely dominating last week against the jags in complete cruise control 27 10 everything's going swimmingly they you know they're booking themselves a, a playoff berth they're keeping pressure on you guys to win the nfc east when 
at a time where the Bears looked like they could even potentially pinch that off you when, when the Cowboys were were up and about. But then that is a bad collapse. And Dak is just being really bad with the interceptions. Like he's throwing some bad picks. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing a lot of good things, but he's throwing a lot of bad interceptions. And I think... That's why they lost the game. Yeah, oh, that's it. I mean, obviously the pick six wasn't probably his fault, to be honest. It was a drop catch that that ricocheted mm. into the arms of the defender. But the other but pick, the other pick was bad, though. The other pick though. was so bad. He, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he ended up with, with the two or if it was three, but he, over the last couple of weeks, he's, his interception to touchdown ratio is not great, and he's he's throwing some he, I think he's had, he's had more interceptions than any other quarterback in the last six weeks or something, yeah, in the last eight weeks. See, that's the thing the Cowboys obviously weren't doing early in the season. I know it was Cooper Rush, and he was being a lot more, it's not as dynamic as Dak, but he, kept, mm. he didn't give forced turnovers, and... Didn't force the ball where it needed to be. And, and with such a strong running game, I just don't know why Dak Prescott kind of puts himself in these positions a lot of the time. But I, I still think Philly are a much – I think you're a better team. Yeah, with Gardner Minshew in there, I, I couldn't be confident that you go in and win. But, you know, if Jalen Hurts suits up, I'm very confident to play at Philly, especially if they're underdogs. Um, that's kind of how I see it. But I think Dallas are still a good, very good team and, and you know, on their day could – could easily beat Philly, but you know if the two teams play their best, I think Philly win and and are and are a better overall team. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. That'll be a good watch. Um, you know, Do, after, uh, but before after the Chrissy presents are open, that's a perfect time to have a coffee and just sit back and, and just. <laughs> Watch at least the first half, and before we have to jet off and go do the start doing the uh, Christmas Day visit. So um, that's it's it. an absolute gift to be watching that on Christmas Day. And then we finalize Bef- before 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 we get onto the next yes. one. I do want to ask you something, and and it's not it's not something we've discussed before, but I've been having this ongoing argument on Twitter with a Cowboys fan <laughs> over the last twenty four hours, and I want to ask you if someone says that Dak Prescott has had a more successful NFL career than Shady McCoy, what enters your mind? What, why would he be, what has Dak Prescott done? Good question. Very, very good question. <laughs> very, very, very good question. I think now, there, are, there are a ton of Cowboys fans on Twitter that say that Dak Prescott is a more successful NFL player than LaShawn McCoy. I would be asking for the evidence because there's, there's nothing to see. There's nothing that I can think of at the top of my mind that Dak Prescott has done in his career. Has he won a playoff game? I don't think he even has. I, I mean, he's been a one, maybe one, maybe one. But he he's been a decent regular season quarterback, I suppose. Shady McCoy was one of the best running backs in the league for a long time, and probably won I don't know how many rushing titles, at least one. And you know, that's a very one. He had one rushing. Very title. hard to do. Very hard to do. Um, I mean. I know Dak had that huge year with with all the passing yards, but again, I just think he's he's too interception prone. Um, and until he has that team success and can lead his team to a division title and and a playoff win, um, I don't think he's anywhere near in the same caliber as, as Shady McCoy. I know they're different positions, and it's but ask who's a you know a better overall player or a better player in his position. I think you have to say um, McCoy for sure. But he, he like the, the the statement was more successful, and Shady McCoy's won two Super Bowls, and, and I know that they were both at the end of his career, and he didn't have that much impact on those two teams. But he's a two time Super Bowl winner. Now, by any stretch, if you talk about what success means in the NFL, it's winning rings. Yeah. He's got two of them. Dak's got 
one playoff win maybe. Um, and But even if you take that out, 15,000 all-purpose yards in the NFL, rushing title, six Pro Bowls, two all-pro first teams. Like, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, Shady McCoy. And Dak Prescott is a borderline very good quarterback. Well, you surprised me when you said two-time. I forgot he – I just had to quickly look up. He was on the Bucks, of course, as well. Yeah, he was. I knew he was on the yeah. Chiefs, but I did not know he was on the Bucks. So there you go. But deservingly a two-time Super Bowl champion. There you go. But no, for sure, <laughs> um, even if you take away those rings – um, where he really didn't have much impact on either of those teams, but yeah. I still think you, you give him the nod regardless of those of those rings. To be honest, I think it's a pretty ordinary argument from um, Mr. Dallas Cowboy fan. So I'll have to find said That's argument right. and, and chime in. I'll, uh, I'll I'll link you, but maybe maybe we'll put that up on a, a poll uh, on Twitter, and the, the listeners can can be the 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 arbiter of all uh, NFL fanfare and let us know who had a more successful career. Who's the more successful NFL player, LaShawn, Shady McCoy, or Dak Prescott? Let us know because I'm really interested. Yeah, and there's nothing against Dak. I think we both are unabashed Dak fans. I mean, um, but and, and quality the, human yeah, being, quality human Dak. as well, quality and, human and being. We know, but I, I still think he's he's a good player. But yeah, I just think the interceptions this year has been have been bad. But anyway, uh, we'll move on to the next game, the final game. Of Christmas Day, it's not an overly exciting game, but it's still a, a, a good game nonetheless for, for Sunday night football, Saturday night football, I should say. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers going as minus two and a half point favorites, total 39, mate. Anything on this one? Really interesting because when I looked at this, I, I felt like in in my gut, like this should be pick'em. Mm. Um, I think the, the Raiders' offense is better. The Steelers' defense is yep. better. Um I, not so much that it surprised me that they were two and a half point favorites, the Steelers, but I felt like it should be closer than that. Like it's not far away, but I felt like it should be closer. You know, one point, uh, pick them, whatever. And so in that regard, I kind of lean Raiders because I feel like two and a half, you know, just a field goal is is too much. That there's there's not that much room between these two teams. Um, and so. I, I kind of lean the Raiders, but they're the Raiders That's, and I can't do it. So it's, 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 a, it's a no play. It's a no play for me. Fucking great point. And it's probably something I, <laughs> I considered for a while as well. But I, I think I'm too strong on the first point of yours. And, and I think it should be a pick em. If anything, um, well, look, I mean, the Steelers are still, they're both with the same record, six and eight. And the Steelers are, are still somehow in the playoff race as well. But uh, look, I think the Raiders are a better overall team this year. There's absolutely no doubt the Steelers' defense is far better. Um, but the Raiders, they they showed a bit of grit last week. I know it took a miracle, but they they got the job done and, and won and kept their season alive last week. And um, yeah, I, I just think there's too many points in the Raiders here. And um, despite that great solid defense of Steelers, I just don't know where the Steelers are going to get their points from, especially if. Kenny Pickett isn't back, who we know has been he's been excellent um, when he's been there. But the last couple of weeks with Mitch Trubisky on, um, and there's a couple of question marks across the the Steelers board in in terms of Najee Harris is questionable, Deontay Johnson. So there's some pretty key uh, guys on offense as well that are questionable. I think both of them will play, but uh, yeah, I think at, at, at two and a half, you take the Raiders here as an underdog because of that reason that we both think there it's a more of a flipping. 
uh, I'll pick him or a flip of the coin kind of kind of result. So yeah, take the start here for me. Um, with not much confidence, but I'll, I'll play the Raiders uh, in this one. Moving on to Monday, five a.m. The normal slate. We've only got one game. That's usually when red zone <laughs> regular kicks football. Off. We've only got one game. Regular football. Green Bay at Miami, a huge game as well because Green Bay as well somehow is still in the playoff race. But the Dolphins, they need to get back on track and, and keep their playoff hopes alive with a win here. And uh, after a little bit of a mini bad patch here, and they go in as the slight favourites, minus three and a half, total 49 and a half. Do you see the Dolphins bouncing back here, mate? Uh, I do. I do see the Dolphins bouncing back. Um, I looked at this total, which is the largest total of the week at 49 and a half, and I uh, felt like my head was going to explode. Like... If anyone's watched the Packers offense this year, this Packers offense has been terrible. And we know that that the Dolphins have that ability. We know that they were one of the better offenses uh, in the competition for most of the season. But over the last month, that's kind of fallen away as, uh, you know, we kind of touched on uh, a couple of weeks ago that, that, you know, the competition is starting to, to figure them out. And, uh, it was a really good, uh, really good article on on Football Outsiders a couple of weeks ago about uh, Tua leading the league in completion percentage to to passes to the the center of the field to the middle of the field, and opposition defenses, really good defenses, closing up that space and and forcing him to pass wide, pass long, um, and and kind of try and thread the needle. Uh, and really kind of putting that pressure on on the Miami offense, and, and they just weren't able to cope with it. They were taking away the middle of the field and forcing him to play outside of what he was looking to do. And the Dolphins' offense has struggled ever since teams have started to do that. Um, and so I just I, – I look at this, this total, and I feel like Miami Packers at full strength, you know, at, at absolute full strength, like – Yes, completely understand Aaron Rodgers at his best. Um, yeah, the, the Miami offense that we saw in the first half of the season, absolutely Tyreek Hill, etc. Raheem Mostert back in form for sure. But I just don't see it. I don't see it this week, um, especially against the the Miami defense. Who, you know, they've had a couple of down weeks as well, and they're gonna they're gonna want to start picking it up um, in in the run home to, to playoffs. You know, we saw the Bills passing offense kind of blitz the Dolphins last week, but the Packers clearly not in that same league, at least not, not anymore, not, not what we've come to expect out of that that Rodgers-led offense. Um, one thing to keep an eye on is is who kind of takes that lead back position for Miami. Um, Green Bay have the worst DVOA rush defense in the league. Uh, Raheem Mostert, as, as I mentioned, kind of put 130-plus yards last week and looks to be the lead guy again, but, you know, November was Jeff Wilson time. Uh, all season, they've kind of relied on a bunch of guys. Um, they had Chase Edmonds earlier in the year as well. You know, kind of a committee contributing on the ground with different injuries and, and personnel issues and, and whatever. So have a look at that. It looks to be most it, and, and that's kind of his his position at the moment. But things can change really quickly in Miami, like we've seen. But, you know, all things, all things being equal at the moment, like that, that uh, Miami three and a half, Point line looks a bit of a looks a bit of a gift, and and under forty nine and a half might be the a second double or the double for the week for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big on Miami this week. I think that they're a much better team than Green Bay this season, uh, and I just don't see a whole bunch of points in this one. 
I, I certainly agree to the second part. I, I think it'd, it'd be an unders kind of contest, especially with that line. That, that's a big line for these two teams, 49 mm. and a half. Um, especially the way the Dolphins have been on offense too. I mean, they've lost three in a row, but they've just lost. They've looked all at sea uh, at offense. I mean, they did look a lot better against Buffalo. They they unlocked Tua a bit more down the field and the center of the field, like you mentioned. And the key thing there as well, that Raheem Mostert got that running game going and they, they got a bit of a reprieve there. So they moved the chains that way. And, and look, the Dolphins look did look better last week and they should go in and, and beat the, the, the Green Bay Packers who haven't done anything to sell me yet, uh, especially... I mean, they, they controlled that game against the Rams. I didn't watch much of it, to be honest. And um, from all reports, it was a pretty dominant Packers victory. Uh, and they mm, could have been, you know, it was. could have been blown out a lot more. But that certainly doesn't sell me beating the Rams. And uh, I think the Dolphins should be able to get back on track here. Three and a half is a tricky line. I think it's probably about right. So it's not a game I'm, I'm hugely keen to bet in, but the, the unders does appeal to me. Uh, however, in saying that, the Dolphins, though, on defense have allowed over 400 yards uh, in that losing streak of three. So that's a concern as well. The Packers might be able to dine out on that. But uh, again... Do you think the Packers can do that, that's though? That's the thing. Aaron Rodgers, again, was a bit quiet last week. I mean, they weren't really able to get things going in the passing game. It was more the running game that, that took over last week for them with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and... Yeah, it's 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 obviously win out now for the Packers to be at any sniff of getting into the playoffs, but uh, the Dolphins need to arrest that three game slide and and control their own destiny as well. So I think the Dolphins do at home here. They're a better team, much better team at home um, than they are on the road. And uh, for all those three losses, guess what? They've all been on the road, so they'll be eager to get back home here in Miami, um, especially coming from the snow of of Buffalo. I'm sure they're keen to get back into the sunshine <laughs> of, of Florida. Um, and they should get back on track and, and win that one against the Packers. Oh, this is a disgusting matchup. 8.30 a.m. Monday morning, <laughs> turn your TVs off. Denver at the LA Rams. Rams plus two and a half. Total 36 and a half. That seems like a huge line. Yeah, go back to bed. You know, watch watch the Packers. Yeah. Watch the Packers Don't and even... turn the TV off and go back to bed. Uh, wait wait for the cricket on Boxing Day, I think. But uh yeah, this is this is disgusting. Like you said, it it could be a nil all draw. To 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 be honest, and I think the only play in this one is the unders again. I mean, it's another low line, but what of these two teams is going to put points up? Like I just don't see, I don't see any way that they can they can hit thirty seven points in this. Like it's just, uh, I just I, I can't work out how that's going to happen. Um, Denver, we we know have kind of been a lock betting the unders over the last six to eight weeks. Uh, and this Rams team is one of the worst offenses that they will have faced in that period. So uh, that kind of feels, again, feels like a bit of a gift. And I, I wonder how many of these gifts we can take, but it's Christmas. So maybe a lot, maybe none. I don't know. But I'm playing I'm playing the unders again in this one um, and, and pretty much any Denver game, you know, this season has been under. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the only thing. That's all I can say about this one. It's just gross. It's disgusting. Yeah, like you said, at, in so far, in the perfect conditions, it still could be a nil or draw between these two teams. And uh, the fact the Rams managed to pull off a win against the Raiders the other week gives me enough confidence that they can go in and do the job here at home. But I won't be watching. I won't. don't give two shits about this game. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, although you probably talked me into the unders to fill a multi there. But, yeah, it's a stay out officially for me. But, um, yeah, Go back to bed and and get ready for the cricket, as Nick said. That's a 
it's a really ordinary game. Uh, speaking of ordinary <laughs> games, it doesn't get much better for Sunday night football or the Boxing Day Classic at 12.20 our time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Arizona Cardinals, who have just gone to free fall now, it seems. And the Bucs going as big favourites, minus 7.5, total 39.5, mate. We talked about the Titans earlier leading their division at 7-7, seven and, seven, and uh, here the Bucs are in playoff position leading their division at leading the NFC South at six and eight, um, which is just gross. Uh, the Cardinals potentially even grosser. They dominated the NFC West for so much of last season and uh, just kind of faltered at the, the final hurdle. But they did they did seal that playoff appearance and, and the sixth seed last year. This season have dropped. Uh, it's just been astonish, astonishingly bad. Uh, they're four and ten, out of contention completely. Um, I do feel like the Bucks need to keep winning because – even with the division lead at six and eight, like we touched on earlier, any team at five and nine is still alive, and there just happen to be three of them uh, in, in the division. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's a tough one. I think the the Bucks need to need to keep winning. I think they can come out firing. I think they're going to look to to put quite a few points on on the Cardinals, um, but I do feel like them. Doing that and really going hard at the at the jugular could potentially open the field on the on the other way for some turnovers and points coming back to to Arizona. So I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like this line is a touch low, and so this is I think the one for the overs um, over thirty nine and a half. And I don't know, I just feel like they're both really poor defenses, and there could be some points here. Yeah, I can see some points here. I mean, Arizona's defense actually have got the most, I think, if not the most, equal most with the Pats in, in terms of um, touchdowns for defences this year. So that's probably where they're going to generate their points from here, Arizona. But look, um, with, with Trace McSorley kind of leading the way now, Cop McCoy, I think, has been ruled out with a concussion for this week. So Arizona will head in with a third stringer uh, against this Bucks team that are desperate to keep winning and give themselves a chance uh, if they can get into the playoffs. I don't think... I know we've been saying that for a few weeks. They could do some damage if they get in, but I really don't see them doing any damage whatsoever. They'll host a playoff game against a really good team. Uh, they'll obviously get the fifth seed because they'll be in as the four, and uh, you know that means a matchup with potentially the Dallas Cowboys. And see you later, Tampa and Tom Brady right off into the sunset because, yeah, there's no way Brady should be coming back. There's no way he should have come back um, at the start of the season, to be honest, especially once Bruce Arians kind of said his goodbyes and it was going to be Todd Bowles. That was time for the Bucks, I think, to change tact and, and maybe go a different way. So they've they've held on to Tom here for too long. It's just been a bit of a bad season and, and they're very, very lucky or, you know, maybe in a way it's not a good thing that they make the playoffs and paper over some cracks. I don't know. But, uh, look, gross game. Couldn't bet in it. No thank you. But the Bucks should win because uh, there's no way Trace McSwally goes in and beats Tom Brady is there, uh, third stringer at uh, for Arizona, so he looked awful against Denver, um, which I still can't believe. I tipped Arizona last week. I'm still sick about that. And, um, yeah, I don't know why. But anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> Less I say about that team, the better. The final game of the week. Uh, if you've made it this far, well done. Thanks for listening as well. Yeah. Sorry, punters, it's been a long one. But the Los Angeles Chargers at the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football and the Colts get another crack at prime time somehow um, after that debacle last week. And, yeah, poor old Matty Ryan. <laughs> he's now got 
Um, I think I saw a meme or something the other day. He's got the biggest blown lead ever in an international game, the biggest blown lead ever in an NFC championship game, the biggest lead blown lead ever in a Super Bowl game. And now, of course, the piece, the restorms, can't even say that word, but the, the greatest losing comeback, well, the greatest comeback in NFL history is also against M. Ryan. And uh, it wasn't pretty in that second half for the Colts. And uh, they need to shut up shop. The Jeff Saturday experiment is now dead, and we move on. The Colts, yeah, they need to clean out, don't they? They're they're a franchise in a in a bit of trouble, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the off season with those guys. The LA Chargers have been gross, but they're still eight and six, and they should still make the playoffs. So you know, a win here will almost get them there. Uh, it's still a little bit to play out in the AFC, but. Yeah, the Chargers certainly haven't, um, you know, certainly haven't endeared themselves to anyone, I don't think, this year in terms of their play. They, their roster is still amazing on paper. Mm. They should be a lot better than they what they are. The fact they only had to, you know, squeak over the line against a pretty ordinary Titans team last week was, yeah, that was that was probably more damning about the Chargers. They should have they should have really won and won well last week. And you know, it took a last minute field goal again to get them over the line. And I think. Uh, I think they should comfortably beat the Colts here, but just for the lack of interest in this game, I'm not going to have a bet and it's a stay out for this one as well. Yeah, it's 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 cooked that the Colts are in prime time again. Uh, the Colts <laughs> are, are cooked. There's there's no coming back from what happened last week. Uh, obviously, there's you know they're one they're one bright light now in uh, in Indianapolis. Is that there's some big dick Nick energy in in Indy and. Uh, you know, maybe that's maybe that's going to bring them back from the brink of disaster. But uh, yeah, look, I, I just I can't see the Chargers. You know, currently in that wild card spot, uh, they need to keep winning to, to ensure that they stay there. I think they do. I think they win it comfortably, like you said. Uh, Chargers minus four and a half for me. Can easily see why you'd be playing that. But again, especially what they did in that first half. Who who bloody knows with the Colts? But uh, I think you're like I think you're right. I think they are cooked. All right, mate. That brings us to the end of all 16 games for week 15. We have to pick a lock of the week. It hasn't been pretty the last couple of weeks. I know we've been missing for a couple. We haven't uh, obviously been in every week, um, not doing the pod, but we currently stand at six and seven on the year. Let's get back to 500. Uh, and I think we have to either go the Lions or the Bengals, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. They're the two. They're the two, the Lions and the Bengals. And. I don't know. Like I said, we've had some feedback about having the uh, the Lions as the losing lock of the week a couple of times <laughs> over the last four or five weeks. So maybe maybe we turn the tables and, and we go the Lions to win as the lock. I, I don't mind that. The only reason I would potentially be against it, and, and as much as I love the Lions this week, is the fact that they, for all the listeners that have been saying that we're potting the Lions, when you were away and James and I did the show James talked me into doing the Lions as the lock of the week against the Seahawks in that game. <laughs> of course, Seattle won that game and, and the Lions did not cover as uh, as the favourites there. So we lost that bet and we kind of said no more to the Lions. But I think I think we can we can forgive and we can forget <laughs> and we can give the Lions one more chance. What do you think? Well, yeah, yeah, we can. The, the, the other consideration is that the Cincy-New England game was possibly the shortest preview we did this week in that we were both just hot on the Bengals and um, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's the, uh, the catalyst. Yeah. 
All right. Well, look, I, I certainly, I mean, we know the Bengals are a better team and maybe we ride the hot hand there. I, I'm Let's, leaving this one up to you, mate. Right. I've made too many dumb decisions lately. <laughs> well, in that case, I think what we do is we go to the Bengals with an apology to the Lions. And the <laughs> Detroit fans, you were very close, very close to being the lock of the week this week, but you've been pipped by the hot hand in Cincinnati and Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase. And so the Bengals it is. Yep. All right. Lock in the Cincinnati Bengals minus three against the Pats as our lock of the week. Mate, so good to chat. I know we've been chatting for a while now. Sorry, it's a long episode for all the listeners, but if you've made it this far, thank you very much. We've enjoyed your company again and, and look, we love doing it. So yeah, it's been a pleasure to jump back on the pod this week, Nick, and we've got a couple of big weeks to go for the for the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. Again, apologies to listeners. It is a long one. It, it's been a while since we did one. We do try and keep it short, but it's been a couple of weeks since we did it. So <laughs> we're probably just a little bit rusty, but um, we'll, we'll be back next week, hopefully a little bit shorter. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, we might, I mean, we who knows we, what day it'll be or if we're drunk or who knows. So it might be a very short listen next week. We're not sure, but we'll keep you Could guys be a great updated. listen. Yeah, well, that's it. It could be very entertaining. But no, thank you very much for listening and we'll enjoy the weekend of NFL. What a day or what a Christmas weekend of NFL to come up. And uh, we'll sign off from this one with a Go Bills. Go Birds. Go Birds.